0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is David Harry Stewart. Welcome to the Ages Podcast. We have a great show today. And as long as you're here, it would be great if you could subscribe to the show on iTunes. And while you're there, please leave us a rating. That really helps other people discover us. And we have a new show. This is only our fourth episode. Hopefully, we're getting better and you're liking the guests that we have and hopefully you give us a good rating Uh, this week in news here at Aegis, we are just about to release ybl 2020 tickets now ybl is our big yearly event it's a conference that we're holding over in hollywood this year at the incredible cinema dome that'll be june 8th and ybl early bird special pricing tickets will go on sale later this week and that's just for people listening and also for our loyal readers and this special discount pricing will only be good for a week or so. So for all you people who didn't get a chance to go last year, or maybe there wasn't, there wasn't space, you couldn't make it, this year, please, please get a ticket as soon as you can. We have some incredible people showing up. The venue is amazing, and we're, as you can tell, very excited. So let's get on with the show today. Today we've got Amanda Jones, 57, founder of Kikoko, which is a cannabis wellness company that's widely known here in California for its teas. And hers is really an extraordinary journey. She came from journalism, and as a woman with no CEO experience, starting a business, and not just any business, but a cannabis business, and fighting the stoner image that goes along with that, and then having to raise money in the bro-dominated BC culture, is about as big of a business challenge as I can think of. And she's beaten the odds. She's got a great business going, so let's give her a call and find out how she does it. Hey, Amanda.
1: Hey, hey, David, how are you?
0: Oh, I'm doing all right. You know, I didn't realize you had an accent. Where are you from?
1: New Zealand originally. Oh my gosh. Yes.
0: Wow, that's wonderful. I've never been to your country. I've always Oh, you
1: must. It's very beautiful. I'm actually headed there on Thursday. So um, it's very, very beautiful. Uh, great time to go is right now.
0: Wow. So, uh, because it's summer. There, summer. right? Exactly. Right? Awesome. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so, tell me, you've started this company. Um, and so I don't butcher the name. Um, what's the name of your company? Key Cocoa. Oh, You say that so much better than I do. I love that. <laughs> it's <laughs> Kikoko. I, Key knew Cocoa. I would, That's I right. I knew I would blow it. <laughs> um,
1: now so, you know. <laughs> now
0: I know. And you're in the cannabis tea business.
1: That's right. Well, we actually have where we, we call ourselves a cannabis wellness company because oh. we now have uh, more products than just tea. But we started out with herbal teas, cannabis infused herbal teas. And now we have honey and we have mints and we're coming out with tinctures in uh, March.
0: That's amazing. Mm. And But you had a completely different thing. You were like, you were not in the cannabis business 10 years ago.
1: No, I was not I was actually a journalist. I was a travel writer and I, I had like the world's perfect job traveling around the world writing about it uh, and taking photographs. So it was it, I often say to myself, why did I give that up? But uh, as, as you're probably aware, the the shifting, shifting sands of j- the journalism world, uh, and so it was a good time for me to to switch. Although I do miss the travel terribly.
0: But I I, I mean I got to guess Amanda going from journalism to running a, a, a product company. I mean that's quite a leap. I, yes. Uh, like what what was that like?
1: <laughs> well, it was a complete shock. And I will be honest with you. I wouldn't. There wouldn't be no way that I would do it without my business partner Jennifer Chapin. Uh, and Jen and I have been friends for over 20 years and we, we knew we could work together and it was, it was really her idea. Well, actually it was a friend of ours idea, Jan, who had cancer and was using cannabis to battle her issues or help the side effects, appetite, nausea, pain, sleeplessness, anxiety. Mm. And uh, she was the one who said, there are really no good products for women. They're, everything's too high in THC. It was getting her too high. She uh, was uh, the one who, she was a brilliant marketer. She was the one who said, look, there's, there's nothing that doesn't have pot leaves plastered all over the label or tie-dye. This was back in the, in, in the dark old days of pre-legalization. So we said, well, We'll do it, but it was it was really Jen and I kept saying to Jen you've got to do this Jen you got to do this It's a great idea. And then she said well, will you do it with me? And I said well Okay, a <laughs> little did I know five years later that we're still um, We're still standing and we've survived this crazy industry and the regulations that have come with it uh, But we we really seem to hit a nerve with women they needed they needed to have um, the alternatives to pharmaceuticals and alcohol, which is what we did. You know, we, we've created products that we like to think help women get off their um, their their alcohol, they stop drinking as much wine to get them to go to sleep, or taking Ambien or anxiety meds. So uh, we, we're big believers in the wellness component of um, of cannabis. Gosh, I have
0: so many questions, Amanda. Uh, So you said, um, you know, originally that uh, the the products out there were sort of, you know, guy. I want to kind of like stoner oriented. Yeah,
1: exactly. They were very (laughs) bro. They were very 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 stoner, and uh, it was it it was it was what the the stigma was all about. Really, was that that cannabis was for stoners back then. Um, cannabis was to get you high. Cannabis was, was really um, uh, kind of a dropout kind of a, a, a medication. And yet so many people were doing it and just not being open about it uh, because it helped. And, and people have been doing it for 5,000 years as a medicine, probably longer, but that's, that's the uh, extent to which it's been documented in medical texts. 5,000 years ago, we, we, the Chinese started writing about how it helped various medical conditions. And mm. every ma- major civilization has used it since. So uh, it wasn't until the 1930s and, and in the United States it became illegal because of the lobbying efforts of big industry, of competing industries. Imagine that. Mm, um, wonder who those and, were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was petroleum, <laughs> it was cotton, it was tobacco, it was alcohol. So, uh, and as I like to say, because the first Model T Ford, and I'll geek out all day, so you just have to cut me off, but uh, the first Model T Ford ran on a hemp oil and was made out of a hemp plastic, a hemp type fiber, which, so as I like to ask people, imagine if we could have replaced petroleum with a sustainable plant like hemp, hemp oil, and imagine if we could have replaced plastic with a biodegradable substance like hemp. Unfortunately, history made some poor decisions at that point, and uh, it's led to wars, and it's led to pollution, and it's led to, uh, in part, global warming. So, anyway, uh, it would have been a much better decision way back then. But
0: do you ever see a film called Reefer Madness?
1: Of course, in fact, we show so- it. I, I give <laughs> a. And that is—we are still living with that stigma today. I mean, we we show a clip of that when I when we give little talks about cannabis as medicine, and we show a little talk, and everyone laughs their heads off. But the truth is <laughs> that our parents and our grandparents—that's what that, thats exactly what we grew up with because they believed reefer madness. So uh, that stigma was 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 government engineering it and uh and it was fake news and propaganda
0: yeah absolutely wow and so i I find this whole industry fascinating um there's so not only do you have to invent um really a product category you you have to go against reefer madness uh so like what's the strategy there how do you do how do you do that?
1: It's education, education. It's it's really about, first of all, we went out saying, we can make products for women and we're going to make them, we're going to make some that will get you high and some that won't, mm. um, or some that will just take the edge off. And so when we first went in, so we first went into our uh, products kind of anticipating that there'd be a 10 milligram a dose legal limit coming in. Mm -hmm. And so we had THC levels anywhere from three to 10 milligrams. And at that time we were told we'd be laughed out of dispensaries with those low THC because those were the crazy days of, you know, thousand milligram, 500 milligram cookies.
0: Oh my God. High for days.
1: Yeah, really truly. I mean, checking into the hospital, crazy train kind of stuff. Yeah. So we, our, our doses <laughs> looked a little pathetic compared to those. Uh, but but now, by the time we launched, we actually, I can smugly say now, we, we had a waiting list of dispensaries wanting our low dose products. Um, and now obviously that's the, the, the momentum is towards microdosing or at least finding a titration that works for you personally. And everybody, because everybody's endocannabinoid system is different, Uh, Just like the way you react to any other medication or the way you react to alcohol, everybody is unique. And so you have to find your dose. And so we just tell people, start really low. We now have mints that only have one milligram of THC in them. Now, most people will not feel that. They will not feel altered from that at all. But there are other people that will. So very few, but there are some people who, f- who feel a half a milligram. So we're, we're saying people should be able to find their own dose because it does help. And then that we mix that with CBD so that you get this anxiolytic, the anti-anxiety effect, or you get focus from it or a little bit of creativity. It, it enables you to, to drown out the, the noise of the chatter in your brain and focus so we're coming out with those low dose products with other mixing them with other adaptogens like l-theanine and vitamins vitamin b uh 6 and 12 just to so it's like our teas we we put cannabis with other plant healing plant healers so in other words we just view cannabis as yet another plant yet another plant medicine
0: I, I, this might be a silly question but can you do banking? Can you like engage in the banking system?
1: <laughs> you know, it's very <laughs> tricky. It's very tricky. Uh, it's it's a uh, We we do because we have four different companies whichever does it's not it's not illegal to do it We are we are compliant to the T. We are just so compliant um, we spend a lot of money on lawyers uh, and so we've done it right. And so some of our organizations can bank, just put it that way. I, it's we, a frustration. We, I mean, it's a tremendous yeah. frustration because we, we do direct to, we DTC, direct to home delivery, but we, you can't take credit cards. You have to be there waiting with cash, which actually makes it seem a bit seedy. And one would imagine that you would think that there'd be a lot of opportunity for, uh, corruption with that. But, um, we have to handle, handle cash because of these ridiculous banking issues.
0: Uh, We we had a client once who dealt with, they, they were essentially, they were in the gardening business, but they specialized in cannabis. Right. And their customers used to come in with hefty garbage. This was a year ago. Come in with hefty garbage bags of cash. Yep. And that's, I I just thought, wow,
1: that's interesting. yeah it's our delivery partner that has to deal with that cash but so mm. so i guess we're relatively lucky but yeah it, it it's not easy i mean i have to say that um we're very we're very vocal about the fact that the the state government has has made some errors with this industry and to to really illustrate that um and these numbers are roundabout and rounding down uh the legal industry cannabis industry in california will make is slated to make 3 billion dollars this year whereas wow. the illegal trade is slated to make 8 billion ah so, yeah you can imagine um that we're try that that doesn't help the legal industry so uh we're all trying to persuade the state to do things a little differently
0: wow um so I, I've read you do these things called high tea parties.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so- I
0: love the name. Paint me a picture. What is a high tea? What does this
1: look like? Well, we started these just to really say thank you to all our, for, for, to our friends who had tasted tea along the way and gotten not high at all or overly high uh, as beta testers for us. And so we decided we were going to invoke a modern twist on the 1950s, 60s tea, you know, women's, well, actually it's throughout history, tea party. One of the things we also loved is that back in the days of, of the suffragette movement, when women were trying to gain the right to vote, they would get the only place that they could safely and politely gather as women together were in tea houses. Really? Or, or yes, or having because they needed chaperones, or they were not—that was just not the done thing. Wait, what? What year is this? Oh, this is in the late eighteen hundreds. So in and wow. so in England, it started in England in the late eighteen hundreds, and then moved to the United States. Same thing. And actually next year is the 100th anniversary of women gaining the right to vote in the United States. The U S was pretty late actually to gain, to give women the right to vote, but uh, they would gather and foment change um, their political aspirations together over tea and tea rooms. So we kind of wanted to bring that back. And so we started doing these wonderful tea parties where we'd dress in 1950s dresses and, and, and then serve cannabis to people, and it was so fun. Hats, we had, uh, uh, we have a whole collection of vintage teacups and vintage hats, and and then we'd give a 101 education. So back to your earlier point, this is how we actually uh, started to help people drop the stigma against cannabis, was educating them on the scientific facts of why cannabis is, should be considered a medicine and why it can help you. Mm. So that was the whole... That was the, the, the start of it. And then they were just so popular that they they started just booming. Now, of course, we can't go. Jen and I are too busy and we can't go to the mall, but um, uh, we now recommend people do their own because they are so fun. It's just a wild thing to, to women come together, and they're all very polite. You get a room full of, say, 20 or 30 women, or even 10. And if they don't know each other very well, there's polite, nice chat. And then you, they drink the tea and we have we always have bud tenders there who who or consultants who actually talk to the ladies and make sure they don't overdose themselves or talk them through which tea they should have um, and sometimes we'll just give them a half a cup of tea if they're nervous and uh, and then about half an hour later you just see this tangible change of the energy in the room. And women are having these wonderfully deep discussions. They're connecting on a much more intelligent level, both from a heart level and an intellectual one. And they just, um it's its a delight to see. And it is all f- facilitated by relatively low dose cannabis.
0: Uh, well, it, you know, as someone who, um, you know, went to college in the 70s, yep. um, I recall cannabis parties that were quite different.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. Indeed. I do too. <laughs> the big long huge bong in the corner. <laughs> yep.
0: Yes and the yeah the trails coming out of my fingers. Yes.
1: <laughs> right, right, exactly, right. So so it's uh, it's, a, it's a different world out there, and um, not that you have to have tea parties, but they're a fun thing to do. We actually, interestingly enough, we did a, a customer survey recently, and through that understood that A, a lot of men are doing our teas too, despite the fact that we say we're for women, and we love that, and B, that a lot of people are doing the tea on their own, uh, because they like to come home from work and either make a cocktail out of one of the teas, or have a cup of sympathy and just take the edge off. So that was an interesting thing for us, which is true. I do that all the time. I'll go down from work and have a cup of tea.
0: Right on. Yeah, why not? Uh,
1: Why not, yeah. uh, Let's go
0: back to the, so I know there's some places in the country where this is illegal, right?
1: Yes, well, There are now, I think it's 28 states, more or less, it changes all the time, um, where cannabis is legal medically Mm -hmm. and there are nine or 10 states where it's medical recreationally and medically, where it's legal recreationally and medically. So uh, the, and a growing number, every time there's some sort of an initiative, an election, they put that, it's on the ballot. And it's happening all over the world too. There's a lot of ballot initiatives happening all over the world around both CBD and THC. Uh, So it's, it's an inevitability as it should be. And the reason we really promote regulation is because if it's illegal, if, you, if you're if you buying from the illegal market, you just don't know. Let's say you're buying, I mean, there isn't an illegal tea or an illegal honey or illegal mints. But let's say you're buying illegal flour from the market, from the illegal market. You mm-hmm. don't know what's on that. And that's right. the shocking thing that we learned early on when we were testing all our products. The oil we were buying it was sometimes just so laden with pesticides, even though they told us it was organic. We had right. to throw away tens of thousands of dollars worth of oil. So, you know, there could be fungus on there, which, which is horrendous, as you can imagine, for your lungs. There could be pesticides that just concentrate when you smoke them, they don't go away. Um, and there could be microbials. So, you know, there's just there's all sorts of reasons that we believe it, and also you don't know the potency. You just have no idea of the potency or what else has been sprayed on it. Right. We're big believers in, in, in legalization just so you can bring dosages under control. So people don't have these horrible experiences where they're getting way too high and curled up in a corner.
0: Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, <laughs> we
1: that was one of the reasons we did this is what we called the whole brownie paradigm, where women were like, Oh my god, I ate the whole brownie, <laughs> you know, I took myself to the hospital, so it was, right? <laughs> they can do nothing for you. The best thing you can do if you get too high is just go to sleep. Right. Um, it, it's never killed anyone, it won't kill you. It's just, uh, <laughs> it's just an unpleasant effect if you get too high.
0: Oh my gosh, um, yeah, yeah I, I mean, just this like what you're talking about the dosing, the, um, I'm, I, I mean, that's the <clears throat> taking a product where you have, um, the, uh, you know, the dose is written in there in a the number, um, is a whole different ball game than, you know, God only you like a thousand milligrams in a brownie might, or, and you'd have no idea, you know, I have some no idea. Some, somebody yep. just baked them and hoop who, <laughs> who yep. knows what
1: well we've all been to one of those parties <laughs> where people were just obliterated on right. a brownie or on
0: oh my god
1: something yeah so horrible it, yeah it, it is it it can be very unpleasant for people so so we we just um we really uh, started our company so women wouldn't have to go through that and yet they right. have access to it because so, David, if you look at the plant in nature, it has very low, the way it's supposed to be, it has very low elements of THC. So, uh-huh. uh, it, that it, the phytochemical THC is, is about the same as CBD um, in, the, in the natural state. Uh, and yet, because it was driven underground, of course, black market, they grew it and, and basically modified it for high THC. Ah. So that, bang for the buck, you could get high I, on buying your illegal weed. So that's why it's 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 unfortunate that the plant is not what it used to be um, 100 years ago, even 50 years ago.
0: I had no idea. Makes mm-hmm. sense, though, right? Mm-hmm. If you're li- illegal product, you want the smallest... Yeah. Well, yeah, no, in, for, in
1: the wild, it has between two and 4% THC, closer to two. And nowadays they've got upward, you know, up to 30% THC in some of these strains. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Wow.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we, we encountered this phenomenon here about women like leading everything. <laughs> it's just, the, and I, I love that. It's man, it's the truth. People laugh at me, but it's uh, I don't know. I I just say to the guys, like, come on, like, step it up. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not done yet, buddy. Let's get going. Uh, so, I mean, what's it like for you at 57? You're a woman, and you're leading this company, and mm-hmm. you're, you're you know, you're and you're in an industry that. M- you know, some people might think is more of a younger person's business. I don't know if that's true, but.
1: Right, well, you know, you're right. Um, my business partner and I, uh, we're both co-founders and co-CEO, so Jen Chapin. Um, we are, we're both, in our. she's 56 and I'm 57, as you say, and we are definitely on the older side. But there's a lot of wisdom to be had, and I'm sure you'll, which is what really, your your whole raison d'etre is for is, is is proving that we're still very uh, relevant in our 50s and 60s and even 70s and 80s. We have a lot to share. And so leading this company, I would say we could not do it without everybody we have on our team. And and we really mean that because, and we have 75% women. Mm -hmm. Um, Our leadership team is all women. Uh, And so that's unusual to begin with. and so we are trying to help the movement, women rising. I mean, I'm sure you're aware that only—I've heard two statistics, but it's—they're both abysmal. At between 2.2 and 3% of venture capital money goes to women-founded companies, uh, and that's really shocking. That's really shocking. And and we experienced that. We've raised 14 million dollars to date, and it was hard. It was very, very hard. Uh, and I swear that had we had men in the room with us and as co-founders, it would have been a lot easier. Um, and there is just no way that that men can possibly say that women are 98% or 97% worse at running a business because the stats say otherwise. Um, it has been... I I wouldn't say people have excluded us because of our age. Sometimes you go to these, these cannabis conferences. And when we are on the older side, but we do have quite a few millennials on staff. Um, So often we send them. uh, (laughs) So our chief growth officer really She she attends most of the conferences and she's in her early thirties and she's just a fabulous young woman who is, is just a natural born leader. Uh, and so we surround ourselves with incredibly talented people uh, who, in the tasks that they have at Kikoko, know a lot more than we do. And so we've been very fortunate there. I think where Jen and I bring... And this is something I'm sure you find with everybody you speak to, David, is the beautiful thing about being older is that every experience in your life, both bad and good, lead, has led you here... And, and is added to your purpose and your wisdom and your ability to decision-make cleverly. Um, I don't know that I'm articulating that very well, but I think everything I've done in, in my life, and I've had a, you know, multiple different career paths, and I'm using every single one of them now. And it's a delight. It's really a delight. Even those that seem tangential, like journalism, is very, very handy every single day.
0: Absolutely, and I, um, geez, I, 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 mean, I know here, I don't, I don't really discriminate about um, age or gender. It's just like, you know, if you, if you, if you can do the job, and you're the best one to do the job, you get the job. Yeah. And wh- what what yeah. happens is, um, it's basically all women in their fifties. <laughs> yeah (laughs) what could i say you
1: know what they say if you want to get something done give it to a busy woman
0: yeah i mean uh yeah (laughs) people they uh you know they they asked me about that and it's like well um if you showed me a guy who could do this as well i would hire them or you showed me somebody who was in their 20s and could do this that would be great but they can't so um that's why we do what we do Right. The, um so i i'm i'm shocked by that vc statistic i'm
1: oh yeah it's 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 horrific it's really really bad and there seems to be no explanation of why except that it's an old boys network i don't know if you have watched the show silicon valley on hbo yeah <laughs> I, I mean if you look at that 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 is i mean i live near silicon valley so that is my world my husband's in tech but uh, it is that you know there's the boardroom of twelve guys and one lady as they say so it's it's and these v c firms for the most part are male run and uh male centric so but I think that's a terrible mistake, and i'm i'm I feel very comfortable that that is going to change and change pretty quickly
0: but uh you know, as I look around it's i in fact, I asked somebody uh a friend of mine who he ran the Copenhagen Institute for Future Studies, Klaus. Mm-hmm. Wow. I said, Klaus. I said, Klaus. So tell me about this. I don't. I don't get it. Like, why? Why is this happening? And he, you know, he rattled off a bunch of reasons. And he said, uh, you know, at some point there's going to be a there's going to be a board meeting in the future, and they're going to board members are going to be around a table, and they're going to say, you know, we need some diversity in this room. We got to get some men in here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: maybe a kikoko <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh we i we, uh, i i completely believe you i i i have my own personal reasons for believing that and i i honestly think it's just it's almost too late but i do believe that uh women are on the rise i mean we've been trying to yeah. rise obviously since the 50s uh and it's taken this long for us to 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 achieve any kind of momentum, but we're still very far behind. I mean, that VC statistic, there's also another stat that I find interesting, which is that the UN states that until women have 30% in any parliamentary body, whether it be a parliament or a Congress or a Senate, they're not heard. Their voices really don't have that much of an effect as far as um, shouting down perhaps an unpopular male-dominated sentiment like gun control laws, for example. And we are only at 19% in the United States. Now, given that is way up from just in the last five, no, in the last 15 years, that's come up a long ways from from very low digits. But, uh, But we're still only at 19%. So we've got a long way to go until we are really can sway the politics of this country. And I do believe that if there were more women in government uh, on both sides of the aisle, that we would see better environmental policy, better education policy. We'd see more money, well, this is a fact, women politicians tend to send more money back to their jurisdictions. Uh, And we would see different, we would see more compassionate spending, uh, less, perhaps on the military, more on education, more on health care, uh, so, more on ch- children. So uh, that's what I'm waiting to see, is parity. That's all we want. We just want parity. That's really all we need. And at Kikoko, we're, we're you know, Jen and I are longtime feminists. So we're, we're big believers in that, uh, in giving women a chance, inequality for all. Uh, and so that's very much a part of who we are DNA of Kikoko
0: right right i i guess uh I grew up with a a single mom um, so this i mean it's all kind of it's it's appalling to me when i I hear this stuff that you're telling me. i just think like wow like what what year is it
1: oh <laughs> you, you would be shocked uh, you would totally be shocked um. The I I had, you know, as a journalist, I was pretty solo and I was traveling a lot in other countries. So I hadn't really entered the corporate world. I hadn't entered the corporate world in the United States. And I really was shocked when I was at some of these early meetings. Um I I was really, really um I was just really horrified by how the mansplaining is real, the the, the way that they would address us was real. It it was infuriating to be honest it was perfect it was really infuriating
0: wow i've, I've never worked in a corporation i've i've actually never had a job
1: so... oh, good for you i love it <laughs> have you been a journalist all your life
0: uh well i worked as a photographer um <laughs> okay. and you know and i a lot of it was fashion and advertising and the people who hired me and the people i worked with were mostly women so the the art directors creative directors the right yeah the, the models the in that world models get paid like. 50 times, the, the women get paid 50 times what the guys do. Yeah. Um, the women are the editors. Uh, so I, yeah, the whole, that whole corporate thing of like, I, I've heard about mansplaining and it's it's almost like, I just think like, really?
1: <laughs> oh yeah, trust me, it exists and it's staggering when you first witness it, it's absolutely staggering. And uh, that that has to change, it just has to change. Uh, unfortunately, I do think that it's going to take the old guard to shuffle on over and let the new guard in before massive changes will take place.
0: Yeah. Well, I, from what I'm hearing women graduated higher rates, uh, yes. college they yeah. Um,
1: yeah, they're attending at higher rates,
0: higher rates, uh, yeah. you know, in, in places like India, my, I may get this wrong, but I think that there are more women in STEM programs than men now.
1: Huh. Interesting. I didn't know that. I'm going to look that up. That's fascinating. It doesn't surprise me. Um, They've done, India's done an amazing job of teaching STEM to everybody from a very early age. Hence, they're so technologically uh, ahead of us.
0: So do you see, I'm I'm guessing, if you look into your crystal ball, do you look forward? So at some point, um, my guess is there'll be full legalization across the states. And Canada's a are fully legal in canada?
1: Yes, then? yes, that that is right. uh, is fully legal. yep.
0: Yeah. Uh, and i th- i want to say mexico
1: Ur- Uruguay Uruguay, yeah, Uruguay is, right. is 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 illegal. Mexico is headed that way not yet as far as i know unless something mm. happened recently. Um uh, but there are a lot of countries uh, south american countries particularly moving pretty quickly towards it. And do you ever
0: see your business um, going direct to consumer or will you always have to go through a dispensary?
1: Oh, no, we do do good direct to consumer. We do, but oh. we ha- we have to, if you go to our website, kikoko.com, big yes. we plug here, k-i-k-o-k-o.com, you can buy directly and we deliver, we, but we can't deliver. We have to partner with a delivery partner uh. and they, they're they sort of just getting going. So they don't deliver everywhere, but if if you're in L.A., San Diego, Northern California, they they do deliver, so a couple of times a week. Um, So you just have to be ready with your cash and there, uh, and you can receive it at home. But yeah, if you go to our website, you can order right off our website. But I I do see it getting easier. I see everything getting easier. Uh, The banking will get sorted out. Hopefully the taxes will not be quite so onerous. Um, because people, you know, overnight with legalization, they had to pay between 30 and 40% on taxes um, compared to what they were doing. So that was a big shock for people, hence driving them to the black market. Uh, So I do hopefully see that becoming a little more sane. And I do see this becoming a worldwide industry, just like alcohol, but it's a hell of a lot better for you. I, I, I
0: always I'm, I'm from New York. And when I, when I moved out here, it stunned me that I can I can walk into a CV, CVS and I can buy a half liter of vodka.
1: Oh, um, right. Right. You can't, you can't do that in New York?
0: No, you have to go uh, to a, you have to go to a, a liquor store or
1: right. a package yeah. store
0: sort of yeah. thing. And I you know, it's sort of it seems to me that the, the restrictions pay, placed on this plant. Um, you know, as opposed to the social damage it does, it's insane. There's there's just no no rationale for that.
1: No, no. There's just a lot of fear and a lot of right-wing thinking and, uh, it's it, here's the other thing the the irony the catch-22 situation here is that because it was illegal they couldn't really do very good clinical research right and now they say well there's no clinical evidence which there is by the way because Israel's been doing it since the 90s as has Germany been doing for a while and Canada so there is a lot of c- clinical evidence in a whole body of clinical trials coming out now to prove the efficacy um, and yet they the 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 politicians will say, well, there's no evidence, or the medical board will say there's no evidence. But there, there is plenty of evidence, it's just not coming out of the United States, because we lost the chance to to be leaders in that clinical research of cannabinoids.
0: Well, the, yeah, the whole logic doesn't make any sense to me. Like, if I drink, um, you know, a liter of vodka every day for the next year, um, there's a lot of clinical evidence about what's gonna happen to me. <laughs> yes. <But> I- <laughs> I'm probably not going to be alive.
1: No, exactly. That (laughs) would be a bad idea. Yeah, but if you smoked weed every day for the next year, um, or 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 had a cup of our tea, you would be in better health. Exactly. Particularly if you had a cup of our tea because we've got other healing things in there like turmeric and ginger and black peppercorn and or chamomile or, or these other plant medicines that, that are tremendously good for the human body. So you'd be in better health if you did it every day for the next year.
0: So it's utterly irrational.
1: It is completely and utterly irrational, it completely and utterly. Cannabis, alcohol kills, and forgive me if I get these stats wrong, it's been a while since I looked at them, but it's like 55,000 people a year die of alcohol. Opioid addiction is climbing, 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 Is now over 50,000 a year. People, I think it's closer to 70 now, 1,000 people a year dying from opioid uh, overdoses, and, and zero from cannabis, zero, unless you get so flamingly high that you jump off your roof. But uh, that's not that's not a direct effect of the of imbibing the, the uh, cannabinoids. And in fact, it's a neuroprotective, anti-inflammatory. It's an anxiolytic. It's it's anti-spasmodic. Helps with seizures. It helps with menstrual cramps. I mean, all around, it's it's uh, when done in the right doses, it's tremendously good for you.
0: Well, let's hope people come to their senses here.
1: (laughs) I do too. I do too. We do too. Yeah. And I think you'll find it well because people have been doing this all over the world for so many years that uh, there has to be some, the government would be foolish to miss out on the tax revenue and the job creation. I mean, it creates a lot of jobs.
0: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And uh, um, I mean, I think that... Um, you know, the United States learned quite a lesson when they uh, tried to make alcohol illegal.
1: Yes. Um, and yep.
0: then you know, having cannabis illegal that caused a whole other set of issues.
1: And well, yep. A quarter of our prison population in 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 filling up our, J- our tax pay payer. Funded jails on cannabis, non-violent cannabis charges, and a lot of them four hundred really? still there. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. So
0: mental to me. Oh
1: yeah, it's it's insane the amount of money <laughs> that we have spent fighting this plant medicine and, and incarcerating people <laughs> is so ridiculous, and we still have in the United States four hundred thousand prisoners still in jail for uh, for still in prison for non-violent medical sorry, nonviolent cannabis charges. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is ridiculous. And a disproportionate number of them are African Americans, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's been a racist and highly unfortunate period of history in the United States.
0: Well, hopefully we can move out of that dark age also.
1: Yes, I think we are. You know, the Last Prisoner Project is fighting very hard to get all of those prisoners released.
0: Okay. So I I have one last question for you. Sure. Um, So as I said, a a lot of our listeners are women and a lot of them want to start businesses. What's the biggest problem you had? And what's the, because they're going to come up against it too, probably. What would you say
1: to them? Well, I think it was if you take starting a business and times the difficulty by 10, that would be about right for starting a cannabis business in <laughs> 2015. <laughs> it was no one would touch us. I mean, we couldn't get good lawyers. We couldn't get accountants. We could, it, was, it was so difficult. So you wouldn't face that today um i i think that the things that we came up against what were just outright sexism that raising money was very difficult uh, we went to women we, we, some of our earliest investors well, we did a friends and family round and they were women some of the biggest early investors were, were women so i really encourage women to hit up other women and also women who can afford it to support other women, because you know what, we're damn good at what we do. And there's no reason to think that we're, we're not as capable as a man. Uh, and in fact, the statistics to prove that diversity does actually improve um, the, the sales or the, the revenue of a company. So uh, I would say just be prepared if you're a woman founded company to deal with that. I, I If you can find the right partner, I would do it. I can't imagine doing this on my own. I truly can't. I don't think I would be here today. You wouldn't be talking to me today if I didn't have a a trusted and beloved business partner to do this with. Um, She is a dear friend and we've maintained our friendship uh, over the working together five years. Um, But she, she's so good at what she's good at the things I'm not good at. And so That balance is, so so looking for somebody that can complement your own skill set is something I would highly recommend. And then you've just got somebody through the thick and the thin of it all uh, that you can lean on. Um, Hiring the best people you can afford out the gate is something I would really recommend. Um, And also one of the things that we did very intentionally and it has guided everything we've done since is that we we set our rules. We have six rules of doing business, and that we call them our six unbreakable rules of doing business, because we really, when we're faced with a challenge to one of them, we look at each other and go, ah, like I'm kind of oh, okay.
0: All the what? Before. Tell me, please. What are the six rules?
1: The six rules are. Um, so the first one is no assholes, and
0: <laughs> good one. Um,
1: yeah, that's it's a good one, and uh, and then hang on, then we've got. Uh, unrelenting quality. Oh, well, the second one is equality for women. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then we've got, uh, hang on, I'm actually looking them up because I should have these the equality for women is number two, unrelenting quality is number three. So if anything doesn't meet the best standards, we won't use it. and We won't do it even though it's more, way more expensive to do it. Um, generosity of spirit. Uh, Meaning we really try and have a culture that is uh, not competitive, that is not backbiting and that it's, it's warmth and um, uh, supportive and trustworthy and tolerant. Uh, We, we, we really embrace diversity at Kikoko. Uh, Number five is when it all goes horribly wrong, laugh. It's helped us at times. Because it will. Yes. And number six is make an impact. So, giving back. Um, And we're also making an impact with our packaging, which we're moving towards being 100% compostable or uh, recyclable or reusable. We're really moving towards that.
0: Well done. Amanda, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. You um, are so welcome. You you are just, you are a power of example and you're you're one of those Aegis North Stars that we look to for inspiration.
1: Well, thank you, David, as a you. I really appreciate this. It's been fun chatting with you.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Aegis Podcast this week. We'll be back next week with another great interview. Please stay in touch. Subscribe to our much-loved newsletter at Aegis.com or we're on social at We are Aegis on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. Or if email's your jam, please send us one at podcast at Aegis.com. We'll get back to as many of you as we can. Until next week, this is David. And hey, a big shout out to Seize Apart for that awesome music in the background. Have a great week.